This is Tina Douglas, and you're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast with your host, my husband, Liam Douglas. Enjoy! Richard Abaddon Photos, PL1 LEDs, R62 given to Goodwill, and more. Greetings, everybody. You're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Liam Douglas, and this is episode 343 for Sunday, May 21st, 2023. And as usual, I'm covering the latest news stories from Petapixel that caught my eye for this past week. But before we get started, I wanted to let you know I have started a new contest that is only on YouTube. So if you go to my YouTube channel, Liam Photography, and I'll put the link in the show notes, I'm running a contest to try to get to 10,000 subscribers, and I'm giving away a brand spanking new Ulanzi Ombra travel tripod. So if you want to head on over to my channel and get uh, subscribed and read the rules for how you enter the contest, you can find all the information on there. All right, so let's get into the news stories for today. Celebrities select their favorite Richard Avedon photographs. 2023 would have been famed photographer Robert Avedon's 100th birthday, and to mark the occasion, a host of celebrities have picked their favorite Avedon photographs. Avedon's influence on photography cannot be overstated. Larry Gagosian, an art dealer who is hosting the Avedon 100 exhibition, says that it is hard to get your arms around the entirety of Richard Avedon's work and process just how enormous his influence has been. Avedon's unflinchingly frank aesthetic has become so much part of the conventions of photographic portraiture, it is easy to forget that he invented it, he adds. Avedon 100 turns the photographer's ample portfolio into a new exhibition, a book also called Avedon 100. The images were selected by a wide range of notable figures across politics, fashion, Hollywood, and art. Calvin Klein selected a photo of Brooke Shields posing for Avedon's lens in 1980. The actress called his photo shoots a non-judgmental exchange of creativity and an exploration of the unexpected. Emma Watson, star of the Harry Potter franchise, highlights Abaddon's commitment to equity between races and sexes. Quote, Abaddon was a pioneer of allyship for diversity in the fashion world, Watson says in Abaddon 100. We see it many times, including with his insistence that fashion magazines use images of women of color like the time he threatened to quit working for Harper's Bazaar if the publication didn't run a now iconic 1958 portrait of China Mikado ashing a cigarette. Among the many remarkable images on view at Gagosian are Abaddon's rarely exhibited mural featuring multiple images of a dancing Marilyn Monroe created from a sitting in 1957 that also produced his iconic Sad Marilyn. His dynamic 1971 portrait of Tina Turner is printed at a monumental scale and was selected for the exhibition by Tone Goodman. In many cases, the link between a photograph and its selector enhances the work's already powerful impact. 
Hillary Clinton, for example, has chosen Avedon's 2003 portrait of her for The New Yorker, while Karen Simon sought out a 1994 image of Salman Rushdie, inscribed by Avedon to the writer, yours in the struggle, Dick, and loaned by Rushdie for exhibition. Abaddon 100 opened at Gagosian on May 4th and runs until June 24th in New York City. The book is available at an accompanying link in this article in the show notes. And I think this is a great thing because Abaddon was a giant in the photographic world, and he definitely did pioneer portraiture more than any other photographer. So I think it's really cool they're doing this in celebration of what would have been his 100th birthday. Eye footage says its anglerfish PL1 LEDs are brighter and more accurate. iPhoto has announced a new flat panel LED that it claims has the best spectrum in its class with minimal blue light. The new light has the company's sun spectrum, which it says allows for lighting that looks more natural. The company says that its adjustable color temperature lights, the anglerfish PL1-80BN and the PL1-80C, are the result of years of research and development to produce a light that would be as close as possible to mimicking the spectrum of natural sunlight. iFootage says that it has been able to achieve this and surpass many other brands by significantly reducing the amount of blue light cast. The Spectrum Similarity Index, or SSI, is a rating that can describe how closely a light comes to mimicking the natural color cast of the sun. Quote, we don't take shortcuts when it comes to achieving the best spectrum. Our lights are meticulously crafted to closely mimic the spectrum of natural sunlight, surpassing those of other brands, iFootage claims. Unlike traditional bicolor LED lights that only mix warm white and cold white lights, the iFootage PL180BN utilizes innovative BLWW mixing technology that blends blue Lime, warm, white, and cold white colors, iFootage says. This enables the light to achieve a more precise color temperature. iFootage says that by utilizing this new BLWW four-color mixing technology, the lights can be adjusted between 2700 and 6500 Kelvin and adhere to what is known as black body radiation curve, which the company says restores the original colors of the world and allowing creators to see what they get. For more color options, the PL180C allows for a full range of up to 2.8 billion color values, 90% of REC 2020, and 36,000 HSI color combinations. Quote, our advanced RGBWW technology combined with CIE standards allows for precise and accurate color reproduction. With this technology, smooth and seamless color transitions can be achieved, providing a rich and vibrant color gamut, iFootage says. The company claims that its RGB output is twice as bright for each color than competitors' lights, which it says are, is particularly useful when blending with other lights, as it can match the strength of stronger lights and produce a more balanced overall result. The PL180C LED has a native color temperature range of 2,700 to 10,000 Kelvin and an extended mode range of 1,400 to 20,000 Kelvin. For iFootage, it's not just about how bright its lights can get, but how good the light quality is. That said, that doesn't mean the Anglerfish PL180BN and the ADC do not get bright. Quite the opposite, actually. 
iFootage says that by focusing the light emitted from the LED chips to within a 45-degree angle instead of the more common 120-degree angle, it has tripled the brightness its lights can achieve without using any more power. Quote, this ensures a high illuminance even at close distance of three meters from the light, the company says, which means you can get the same brightness from a further distance. It refers to this light uh, lensing as its TIR technology, which iFootage says results in higher energy utilization, efficiency, small light gather area, good light uniformity, and low light loss. Its TIR technology allows iFootage to claim 1,030 lux at 3 meters, which it says without this approach would result in just 432 lux. Both the new lights are controllable from the company's app, which it claims gives creators full control of lighting and allows them to create and save presets that can be accessed immediately. With Preset Sync, you can easily keep your lighting settings consistent across multiple devices. Whether you're using a desktop computer, laptop, or smartphone, your presets are always within reach, iFootage says. No matter where you are, you can effortlessly access your lighting setup and create stunning results with ease. The Anglerfish PL180BN and the PL180C can be powered with a V-mount battery, a Type-C PD 100-watt connector, or via DC power adapter. The two LEDs are kept cool using a dual fan design that iFootage says has a lifespan of up to 70,000 hours at 40 degrees Celsius, which it says is more than three times the lifespan of conventional fans. These fans are also designed to be quiet and, in the ultra-silent mode, produce a mere 28 dB of noise. As far as pricing and availability, the iFootage Anglerfish PL180BN and the PL180C are available directly from the company's website. The 80BN costs $299, while the 80C is available for $329. Both are expected to start shipping in June. And this is an interesting article, and it will be really cool if they could actually put their money where their mouth is, so to speak, because one of the things that photographers and videographers struggle with is getting the right kind of light and to be able to set the light and shape it the way they want to. So if if I photo or if I footage is able to better mimic the natural daylight from the sun, that would be a game changer in the photography world. Aspiring photographer's $3,000 camera accidentally donated to Goodwill and sold for $70. An aspiring wedding photographer who suffered a huge setback after her mom accidentally donated her brand new $3,000 camera to Goodwill, sparking a huge campaign to get the camera back. Kelsey Lee had spent several years saving up for her Canon R6 Mark II with dreams of using it to be a wedding engagement and elopement photographer. After purchasing the camera, Lee was uh, enthusiastically taking photos of her friends and family, but this all came to a crashing halt after her mom unintentionally donated the R6 to a Goodwill store where it was purchased for just $70. Quote, I was using it to take some photos of my family and me before we went out to dinner, Lee tells Petapixel. I didn't want to bring the camera inside of the restaurant at the risk of damaging it, and I also was hesitant to leave it in the car because of possible theft. My dad and I thought it would be a good idea to hide the camera in a cardboard box in the back of my mom's car, who was not at the dinner. Later, when Lee went to retrieve her camera from her mom's car, the worst possible thing had happened. The box and camera were gone. 
Quote, my mom had absolutely no idea my camera was in there, and I had absolutely no idea that the box was headed for Goodwill, Lee explains. We went to Goodwill immediately after we realized what happened. Turns out we missed the camera by one hour. Lee says she was crushed when the manager broke the news, but it wasn't the camera she was most upset about. Quote, I had spent several years saving up for a camera and dreamed about owning a professional camera to push the needle forward on my dreams of working in the wedding, engagement, elopement, photography, and videography space, she explains. It felt like such a huge setback, but it was truly the SD card that I was heartbroken about. The feeling of losing memories you've been collecting over a period of time is one I do not ever want to feel again. After losing her camera, Lee took the TikTok and in a heart breaking post detailed just what had happened. She offered a $500 reward for the return of the R6. The video racked up over 1 million views and sparked a wave of interest, which ultimately led Lee to get her camera back. The incredible community that rallied behind my story on different social media platforms sent me so many leads, Lee tells Petapixel. It was overwhelming in the best possible way to have the support from complete strangers to help me get my camera back. After some people had falsely claimed they had her camera, Lee received a message on Instagram from a couple who said they had bought it. I was initially hesitant, says Lee. They sent me photos of the camera, and I knew right away it was mine. I definitely blacked out for a second. I couldn't believe it. The kind-hearted couple drove two hours to return the camera and did not want the reward money, but Lee insisted that they were compensated plus gas money. This couple did not owe me anything. They bought the camera fair and square and chose to do something good because they are good, says Lee. They deserve every single ounce of good karma that is headed their way. The one caveat was after the couple brought the camera, they had cleared the SD card, but Lee is working with an expert to restore her photos. Lee does not hold her mom responsible in any way, adding it was entirely mine for putting my camera in a box in the back of her car without her knowing. In fact, Lee looks back at the entire episode with fondness. Without it, I would have never met the incredible couple that returned my camera, she says. I never would have been able to connect with an entire community of people who are willing to help a complete stranger, and together with that community, we were able to do something really freaking cool. It means the couple were left without a camera, but there's a final twist in the story, too. Lee made another TikTok video urging Canon to provide a camera to them, and the imaging giant received the message and is now finalizing details with the good-hearted couple. This whole event has changed my life. I am so grateful for everyone that helped me and the impact this was able to have, adds Lee. People are so good, and sometimes the media is filled with negative news. It has been incredible to be a part of something good and shown over and over again how remarkable humans can be. Lee has a professional photo Instagram account here, and you can follow her on TikTok and Instagram. And I thought this was a really awesome story, and my hat is off to that kind couple that were so caring in returning her camera, and they didn't even want the reward, but she insisted that they take some money anyways. And kudos to Canon for being nice enough to donate a camera to that couple so that they're not completely out. Photographer sues XFL for using her photos without compensation. A photographer has filed a lawsuit against the XFL accusing the football league of using her photos without compensating her. 
The XFL hired Melissa Little in March 2020, agreeing to pay $850 for full licensing rights to the photos she shot, according to Law 360. Little says the agreement was never honored by the Football League and she never received payment despite sending several invoices. Little also alleges that she never received notification that her photos were to be published and she later found that the XFL had used three of her copyrighted photos on its website. Since she never received payment, Little claims that the XFL has no right to use the photos. The complaint alleges that the photos stayed on XFL's website until May of 2022. Little is seeking a maximum of $150,000 for each alleged infringement, plus attorney fees and an injunction preventing the XFL from using her photos again. Little is a Washington, D.C.-based editorial photographer who has received grants from the Pulitzer Center. A month after Little took on the photo job, the XFL declared itself bankrupt. A group headed by Dwayne The Rock Johnson and his long-term business partner and ex-wife, Danny Garcia, purchased the struggling league for $15 million. The eight-team football league is separate from the NFL and runs from February to May outside of the traditional football season. Last weekend saw the XFL championship game, which was delayed when a photographer was forced to go to the hospital after being wiped out. The incident delayed the match by more than 10 minutes. And I thought this was an interesting story, and I hope that uh, Little is able to recover some money from this. It's never a good thing, especially when a corporation uses a photographer's photos without compensating them. So you always have to be careful about those things and try to protect yourself as much as possible. All right, I'm going to take a break right here, and then I'll be right back. We hope you're enjoying this edition of the Liam Photography Podcast. The best way to support the show is to subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else that you get your podcasts. If you want to leave comments or suggestions for future episodes, you can call or text the show at area code 470-294-8191. And you can email the show at liam at liamphotographypodcast.com. You can find the show notes and links at liamphotographypodcast.com. And you can tweet the show at liamphotoatl using the hashtag. Hashtag Liam Photo Podcast. And now, back to the show. And we're back. Viltrox's new 16mm f1.8 Sony lens features autofocus and a large LCD. Viltrox has announced a new 16mm f1.8 autofocus lens for full-frame Sony E-mount that features a large LCD screen for displaying current lens settings. While the company hasn't published any information on availability of the lens through its official channels, Pergear has listed the new AF 16mm f1.8 lens on its online store. It is described as a full-frame wide-angle lens with a large aperture, which still promises excellent autofocus performance. The Viltrox AF 16mm f1.8 lens is constructed of 15 elements arranged into 12 groups, which includes three aspherical elements and four extra-low dispersion elements that the company says combine to provide ultra-high resolution with effectively controlled dispersion, ghosting, and flare. The lens features an aperture range of f1.8 through f22 via a nine-bladed diaphragm that it is described as producing beautiful bokeh for a super wide-angle lens. The fast aperture also promises improved low-light performance. 
Autofocus is driven by a stepping motor, which Viltrox says provides high driving force for precise autofocus that works with Sony tracking technology, including face and eye focus. The most unusual aspect of the lens is the inclusion of a large color LCD on the top of the optic top when viewing the lens when it's attached to a camera. Viltrox describes it as able to display lens information during shooting and is specifically an RGB IPS display with a resolution of 160 by 80 pixels. That isn't terribly high resolution, but the LCD is much larger than any that are typically found on a lens and it rivals or exceeds the size of displays that are found on the top plate of some cameras. The fact that it is capable of displaying full color is also unique as top-mounted camera displays technically are black, are typically are black and white. Viltrox has not shared many photos of what this display looks like while active, with only one published to Twitter and a few published to the company's Weibo. In the examples, the display seems to generally show only black and white, but in a few examples, a red line can be seen highlighting the aperture setting, which would only be useful information if the physical aperture dial was set to auto. Speaking of the aperture, the lens has the ability to click and declick the dial, making the lens useful for both photo and video applications. The Viltrox AF 16mm f1.8 lens for Sony E-mount is available to pre-order for $549. It is expected to start shipping by May 26th. And I thought this was an interesting article, and Viltrox has really been upping their game in the last few years when it comes to lenses. They are starting to become a giant in the third-party lens industry. They already have a ton of lenses for the Fujifilm X-mount, uh, six of them all together, I believe, and I own four. They have a 13mm f1.4. They have a 23mm, 33mm, 56, 85, and 75. And I own the 33, the 56, the 85, and the 75. I didn't get the 23 millimeter because I already had the 23 millimeter F2 from Fujifilm, which is weather sealed, which is nice because I'm not above shooting street photography in bad weather. So that's why I went with that one. But the Viltrox one is definitely an interesting lens. And the 75 millimeter F1.2 is a phenomenal lens. So I highly encourage you to check out what Viltrox has to offer. TikTok users sue Montana over its banning of the app. A group of TikTok users filed a lawsuit against Montana seeking to overturn the state's ban of the video app, which was the first of its kind in the nation. On Wednesday, Montana officially became the first state to completely ban Chinese-owned video app TikTok in the U.S., However, hours after Montana's total ban was signed into law, five TikTok content creators sued the state, arguing the bill is an unconstitutional violation of free speech rights. In a lawsuit filed on Wednesday, five TikTok users alleged that the legislation violated their First Amendment rights and claimed that the ban, which Republican Governor Greg Ginnifort signed on Wednesday, far outstripped Montana's legal authority as a state. Governor Giafort banned TikTok from operating in the state to protect residents' private data and personal information from alleged intelligence gathering by the Chinese government. However, the plaintiffs argue that Montana lacks authority over matters of national security. They also state that the state has no authority to stop Montana from accessing and creating lawful speech. Quote, Montana has no authority to enact laws advancing what it believes should be the United States foreign policy or its national security interests, 
nor may Montana ban an entire forum for communication based on its perceptions that some speech shared through the, that forum, through protect, though protected by the First Amendment, is dangerous, the lawsuit contends. Montana could no more ban its residents from viewing or posting to TikTok than it could ban the Wall Street Journal because of who owns it or the ideas it publishes. TikTok has also argued the law infringes on people's First Amendment rights. However, according to AP, TikTok spokesperson Brooke Oberwetter declined to comment on the lawsuit Thursday. She also declined to say whether the company helped coordinate the complaint. The ban is set to take effect on January 1st, 2023, or I think that's a typo, it should be 2024. Montana will make it unlawful for the Google Play Store and the Apple App Store to offer TikTok within the state and will be subjected to fines of up to $10,000 a day for violations. However, the state will not impose any penalties on individuals using the app. The lawsuit marks the first challenge to Montana's controversial ban and offers a glimpse into what the U.S. might face nationally if lawmakers attempt the nationwide ban of TikTok, something which has become a real possibility in recent months. And I thought this was interesting, and I do use TikTok myself. I'm not a big TikTok, you know, content creator. I'm not, I don't have a massive following on TikTok, um, but I think it's interesting. And I, it does bother me a little bit that the, that the app is owned by a Chinese company, because if you know anything about how things are done in China, most any company in China is a pawn of the communist regime there. So we'll have to wait and see exactly how this plays out. Two families brawl over a photo opportunity in Disney World. All photographers know their great photo opportunity is precious, but it is never worth coming to blows over. Two families visiting Disney World did not get that memo. An insane incident occurred this week at Disney's Magic Kingdom in Florida when a fight broke out after one family asked another to move so they could take a picture. The brawl happened on Monday afternoon in front of the 100th anniversary sign, which celebrates 100 years of the Walt Disney Company. The terrible video shows the families throwing punches with one person visibly injured on the ground. It was filmed by a bystander. Officers from the Orange County Sheriff's Office responded to the theme park at around 14.30 hours or 2.30 p.m. after one family, whom police are calling the victim family, wanted to have their picture taken in front of the sign, but there was another family, known as the suspect family, already standing there. Quote, when the suspect family was asked to move so the photo could be taken, one member of the suspect family punched a member of the victim family in the face, and the fight ensued from there, a police spokesperson said. Two people were issued a trespass warning, which means they are not welcome on the property, which means they could be arrested if they return to Disney World. Police did not specify who was issued the trespass warnings, but confirmed they were from the suspect family. At least one person received medical treatment at the scene after the melee, but they did not want to press charges. Social media users were quick to condemn the warring families and also make jokes about the fact that it took place in Disney World. Quote, definitely not the happiest place on earth, writes one Twitter user. It's a small world after all, adds another. A family photo is not worth getting upset about. This photographer had his unique shot that he wanted or waited patiently for ruined by a Karen, but he did not lose his cool. And I just thought that was interesting. It's crazy that people would come to blows over trying to take a photograph of their family at Disney World. What is the world coming to? 
And last up for today's episode, outdoor photographer grossly mismanaged as contributives go unpaid for months. Multiple photographers and writers for Outdoor Photographer Magazine say they haven't been paid for their work since last year, and the publication's new owner indicates that these uh, contributors only have themselves to blame. Outdoor Photographer Magazine, the associated website, has been a major player in the photography space for many years. It was purchased by the Bebop Channel Corporation earlier this year as part of an acquisition of uh, Mandivore Media. It seems that in the acquisition, Bebop also picked up significant debt as Outdoor Photographer has allegedly not paid multiple contributors for several months, stretching back into the fall of 2022. Petapixel spoke to multiple photographers who say they are still owed upwards of thousands of dollars. All photographers mentioned are being kept anonymous for their legal protection. One photographer says that an article he wrote that was accompanied by eight photographs was published last November, for which he delivered all of the assets on August 16th of 2022. Quote, our outdoor photographer's own contract stipulated payment within eight weeks. They say, here we are without payment six to nine months later, depending on how you're counting, and Bebop will not report to anybody's emails or respond, I'm sorry. Outdoor Photographer Magazine owes me $1,500 for a cover photo, an article that ran last year. The way they have handled their cash flow issues has been appalling, and I personally never work with this publication again, another photographer says. Quote, I have a long history with Outdoor Photographer from the second issue in 1985, another photographer adds. Only two times since then have I not been paid. The first time was when the founders walked away in bankruptcy in 2015. When Mandibor took over, they made restitution for my loss caused by their predecessor, Werner. The second time is for my most recent column. This photographer says that they understand the publication's editors were laid off last week and claims that at this point, outdoor, outdoor photographer is effectively defunct. I worked with excellent editor Bob Shepard, Chris Robinson, and Wes Pitts, and they gave me a forum to write whatever I wanted since my column launched in 1997. In my efforts to improve the overall quality of the magazine, I recommended many photographers that have appeared in their issues. Bebop CEO and Artistic Director Gregory Charles Royal responded to Petapixel in an email regarding the claims and effectively said that the fault for this situation lands on the shoulders of contributors. He does not, however, deny that many remain unpaid. All quotes from Mr. Royal are unchanged from the email Petapixel received, and all grammar, syntax, and spelling errors in said quotes are his. Quote, in talking over this com- uh, taking over this company that was grossly mismanaged on an unbelievable level, one glaring question arises for the 100-plus contributors that find themselves in this predicament. Why on earth would you continue to work for a company that was not paying you? For months upon months, Mr. Royal says. Mr. Royal indicates that he believes these recent social media outbursts are tied to the displeasure that Bebop has elected to shut down multiple publications. For example, Imaging Resource was closed earlier this month in a fashion that was so sudden. It caught the publication's founder by surprise. Your community wants to criticize because we haven't taken sites down, etc., Mr. Royal says. Or because we have. But these properties lost a lot of money as to why the contributors were not paid, and it was reckless for them to be hired to the extent they were in the first place. No, you can't blame it COVID or paper shortages. It was arrogance and a total disregard by some in management and certain editors, Royal continues. 
the chickens have come home to roost. When asked directly if Bebop Channel Corporation would honor the payments owed to contributors, Mr. Royal said yes, but noted that such payments would be delivered over time. Of course, but they, re- but they received weekly payments, all of them incrementally, so at least pay down their balances. There are contributors, uh, they are distributed evenly across the board as to why some contributors are upset on the nominal weekly amounts. Petapixel has learned of no less than 15 contributors to Outdoor Photographer remain either mostly or fully unpaid for their work. While some have been paid in part, as Mr. Royal claims, others have not received any replies to their communications and remain fully unpaid. Additionally, those that are seeking payments are seeking extremely low value. Some photographers claim that they only received about $60 to date out of the thousands they are owed. And others say that the weekly payments range anywhere between $15 and $20. Quote, the new owners have been making steady payments to me, albeit at only $20 per week since April 21, one photographer confirms. Another photographer tells Petapixel that at the rate of $15 per week that they are currently receiving payments, it would take two years for them to be paid in full. Quote, I met their deadlines to submit my materials in September 2022, but they have not honored the contract I signed, which states the payment would be made no more than eight weeks after publication, they say. Quote, I have at least three colleagues who had work in issues before mine who have not seen a dime. So the CEO is either mistaken or lying, another photographer says in response to Mr. Royal's claims. As mentioned, Mr. Royal tells Pitapixel he believes most of this outcry is related to his choice to shut down multiple photography websites. He believes that if the photography community truly misses these outlets, they should put their money where their mouth is, so to speak. Quote, in response to the scores of emails we receive from contributors and readers, we offer you to pool your resources and purchase these beloved photo properties that have this support we are constantly hearing about, Mr. Royal says. Mr. Royal shared a banner advertisement below that his company is currently running on several of the publications Bebop now owns, which is offering the as-is bundle of Digital Photo Pro, Imaging Resource, Digital Photo Image, Creators Network, and Outdoor Photographer for $500,000. A second larger version of the ad is also running across the network of sites. Even though I am... A horn player, I will not hold my breath, or maybe the community proves me wrong, he says, indicating that he either does not believe the photo community is dedicated to preserving these outlets, or that they are incapable of raising the capital, or both. After Petapixel thanked Mr. Royal for his time, he responded only with thumbs up and the peace symbol. And I thought this was an interesting article. And if you remember the gentleman that I had on my show this past Thursday, Richard Burnaby, who's a world-renowned wildlife photographer, used to contribute to outdoor photographer, but he hasn't for a little while now. And I guess it's a good thing he stopped contributing to them since they stopped paying their photographers and article writers. Such a sad development. And maybe, who knows, maybe the photography community will come together and buy those photographic properties off Bebop and get them back up and running. But it's hard to tell. I mean, half a million dollars is a lot of money. If I was rich enough, sure, I'd buy them all and bring them back. But I'm not rich. All right. That is all the news and rumor or news stories for this past week. And I apologize for the slip of the tongue there. 
Remember to check out the Liam Photography Podcast Facebook group. It is a private group and you must answer a security question to join, which is the name of the host of the show, myself, Liam. And I've also opened it up to allow you to give the name of a previous guest on the show to show that you are a listener. Once you're in the group, you are free to post your own original work. I'm also the admin of the Fujifilm GFX 50R group, which is the largest group for the 50R on Facebook. If you own or plan to own the 50R, you can request to join that group, but you do have to answer two security questions to join that group. You can find my work at liamphotography.net and follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at liamphotoatl. If you like abandoned buildings and history, you can find my projects at forgottenpiecesofgeorgia.com and forgottenpiecesofpennsylvania.com. All right, that's going to wrap up episode 343 of the Liam Photography Podcast. I want to thank all of my listeners once again for subscribing, rating, and reviewing in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you might be getting your podcast. If you're not currently a subscriber, why not? It's absolutely free. It doesn't cost you a dime, and you have a massive catalog of episodes that you can go back and listen to with 343 episodes as of today's release. Also, be sure to stop by the Liam Photography YouTube channel, subscribe to the channel, watch the videos, like them, comment on them, share them out on social media, and hit the little bell icon so you can be notified when new videos release. And make sure you get in on my 10,000 subscriber contest. You can find the details at my YouTube channel, and I'll also have the official rules in this show episode's show notes that you can check out for yourself. Also, remember, you still have about 11 days to get in on the Kickstarter campaign for the Platypod handle. I highly recommend that you stop by and place your order. It is a phenomenal device for photography and videography. It's super handy for vloggers, content creators, food photographers, macro photographers, you name it, toy photographers. Um, so there's a lot of use you can get out of this fantastic low-cost device. It's not expensive at all. And as a matter of fact, once the campaign ends and you go into BackKit to officially complete your order, you can even order additional ones at a discounted price. Now, for this coming Thursday's episode, I have a special treat for you. I sit down and talk to well-known toy photographer, Jesse Fireisen. And trust me, you're not going to want to miss that episode. This guy is crazy talented with toy photography. All right, that is it for this episode. I will see you all again on Thursday.